All right, let's start off by asking a question. Where are my single people at in the room? Go ahead, raise your hand. All right, now look around. See if anybody catches your eye. You came to church for a blessing, you might leave with a blessing. You know what I'm saying? You never know what God's gonna do. We were joking earlier this week. We need to start like an app, a dating app called Connect Mingle. Just set you guys up. No, we don't wanna do that. Okay, okay, okay. How many of you guys are in some sort of relationship? You're not single. Maybe you're dating, you're engaged, you're married, okay? Some of you are like, I don't really know what to call this, to be honest with you. We send each other a lot of memes. Does that count? And the answer is yes. That's the memeing stage of dating. It's a very real thing, right? Hey, listen, whether you are single or you are in some form of committed relationship, I am really excited about this series. We're kicking this new one off. It's called Love, Sex, and Dating. And here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you find lasting love in the middle of a hookup culture. That's what we're after. How can I find lasting love in the middle of a hookup culture? Now, this is geared towards those of you guys who are currently single or maybe single again. But if you're in some sort of relationship, whether it's official or it's ill-defined or whatever it might be, I think you're gonna find a whole lot in this message series to help you as well. And I think that this subject that we're talking about is so incredibly important because we live in 2020 in this very, very, very strange relational irony. We live in a very ironic time in our history. And that's because when it comes to relationships, we have more options than ever, and we have less confidence than ever in relationships. Have you noticed this? We have less options than ever, but we have more, uh, wait, wait, We have more options and less confidence. Can we change the slide? Thank you. Um, The the idea behind this is if you're looking for a good time tonight, like you want somebody to take you out, you want to go have a nice night out, or if you're looking for some sort of long-lasting love, you could go to like a hundred different places in order to make that happen. You could fire up Tinder, OkCupid, eHarmony, Plenty of Fish, Christian Mingle, J-Date, that's the dating app if you're Jewish. Um, And then there's my personal favorite, Bumble. Now, I should probably be clear because my wife's on the front row. Bumble is not my favorite dating app because that's where I find my dates. That's, that's not what's going on here. Bumble is my favorite dating app only because of its name. Do you have any idea what the word Bumble means? Does anybody know? It means to speak or to act in an awkward or confused manner. That is the best description of modern love, sex, and dating that you could ever have. I love the fact that the fastest growing app on the planet in terms of the dating market is basically built around the idea that we are all just bumbling our way through relationships. We are confused. We are awkward. We don't know if we're doing it right. In fact, we know that we're probably doing it wrong, but it's like, what else are we going to do? Here's the deal. Despite the fact that we have unlimited options we're experiencing limited success in long-term relationships. And I think that's a problem. And I think God has something better for us. He has a plan that is not limited in its success. He has a plan that is designed to give you life overflowing, relationships that you are very excited to have and to keep. And I think this whole idea of dating apps is actually a pretty good place to kick off this series because apps are all designed to help us do the exact same thing. Every app's purpose is to help you find the quote unquote right person, isn't it? 
The whole point of an app is to give you a never-ending carousel of photos and profiles. And you can swipe and you can tap and you can DM until you find the capital R, capital P, right person. That's what they're designed to do. The problem is this, this idea that if you know, we just search and find for the right person, the, uh, the, the message that we get from our culture is that if I find the right person, then everything is going to be all right. That, you know, the, the key to me finding lasting happiness, the key to me finding a lifelong relationship is that I have got to snag the right person. And if I snag the right person, then everything is going to be all right. It's like, that's the hard part, isn't it? Once we finally get together because we're both right for each other, then it's all going to be easy. It's going to be like no work at all. It's just going to be smooth and simple and no trouble whatsoever. We actually hear people saying things like, I'm looking for Mr. Right. Don't we? Because we believe if I find the right person, everything is just going to be all right. You ever watch a Disney movie? Oh my goodness. Once they finally get together, the movie literally ends with the characters finally embracing in each other's arms. And what does the story say? And they all lived happily ever after. Because if you find the right person, then everything's going to be all right, isn't it? The flip side of this idea is if you find yourself in some sort of relationship and everything is not all right, then that's clear evidence that you've chosen the wrong person. That's the problem, right? The reason that we're not getting along, the reason this isn't working, I just chose the wrong person. So I need to dump her and go find a new one. I need to dump him and go find a hero. Get rid of the zero, go find the hero. That's the key, isn't it? I don't think so. I think this idea that if we could just find the right person, everything is gonna be all right is actually a myth. It's a dangerous myth because so many of us buy into it and then our relationships implode and we're like, what went wrong? Of course, those of us that are Christians, we don't make this any better, you guys. Because on top of this whole idea of I gotta find the right person, we add another layer of complication that we call God's will. You with me? So we say things like, you know, God's will is just God's plan. That's what it means. And so we say things like, God, is this your will for me to marry her? God, this is your will. I'm telling you, God, this is your will that I would marry him. And the thing is, God's will, this phrase that we use, it's really just code. It's Christian code for I'm still looking for the right person. We just dress it up in religious language so that we can baptize our, our false beliefs and, you know, kind of hold God accountable for helping me to find the right person. Of course, when things don't work out the way that we think they should in a marriage or a relationship, then we get mad at God and we're like, you said this was your will. And God's like, no, you said it was my will. It turns out it wasn't at all. So here's the deal. We live in this culture in which we are told subliminally, liminally, and superliminally. I don't even know those are words, but like we're just told straight up, your job is to find the right person. Once you find the right person, everything is gonna be all right. Let me show you a verse of scripture though. In the book of Proverbs, chapter number 14, verse 15, this is not a, it's not written specifically about relationships, but it definitely applies to relationships. Proverbs 14, 15, it starts off by saying this, a simple person will believe everything they're told. A simple person will believe everything and anything 
that they are told. Now that word simple there, don't let it throw you off. It might sound kind of harsh and mean, but simple doesn't mean that you're stupid. Simple doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're naive. It means that there are people in our world who will pick up messages either from their family or from music and movies or from dating apps or whatever it might be, and they'll just accept uncritically whatever they're told. A naive person will believe anything that somebody says. Can I tell you this idea that if you find the right person, everything is going to turn out all right is one of the most naive approaches to relationships and marriage? It is one of the least true things that you could ever hear. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand, okay? Yes, there are people in the world who are more right for you, and there are people in the world who are less right for you. So I'm not telling you, stop looking for the right person, and you'll find him. I'm not saying that, okay? Because, like, what's the alternative? I'm going to stop looking for the right person. I'm going to start looking for the wrong person. No, don't do that. Okay, of course you should try to find the right person. The problem is when we go a step further and we believe that myth, if I find the right person, then everything is just going to turn out all right. So we spend all of our energy trying to find the right person. We spend none of our energy trying to become the right person. And all of a sudden we're doomed from the start. If you were to ask any single married person in the room, when you stood at the altar across from your beloved, and you said, I do, and I do. Did you believe that was the right person? Everybody is going to say, of course I did. Otherwise, I would have ran away. I wouldn't have married them. But if you ask those same married people, did that matter? (laughs) Did it guarantee anything? Did it give you a smooth and simple relationship? They would say no, because even if you find the right person, it doesn't guarantee that everything is going to be all right. And that's because of this. And this is so critical and key. I hope you guys will remember this. Relationships don't fix our flaws. They highlight our flaws. Relationships don't fix our flaws. They highlight our flaws. Everything, every weakness, every shortcoming you have in your life right now, it is not going to magically get better once you find a boyfriend. It's not going to go away simply because you get engaged. That is not how it works. Again, ask any married person on the planet and they'll say, listen, relationships and marriage make it harder, not easier. If you have struggles when you're single, they're only going to get compounded and magnified once you get into a relationship. I'm telling you guys, with no disrespect meant, okay, but if you can't manage your finances when you're single, you're not magically going to become an accountant once you get married. That's not how it works. If you have an addiction to the incognito mode on your web browser, it's not going to stop just because you got a girlfriend. If you have a need to be right all the time, to win every argument, to make sure that everybody knows you're the smartest in the room, if you have that compulsion, guess what? When you get into a relationship, you're just going to find more opportunities to prove that you're right all the time. If you have trouble expressing your feelings, once you get married, you don't suddenly become a poet. You know, you're not Shakespeare and you're like, I can talk about my feelings all day long. No, it gets harder, not easier because relationships do not fix your problems. They highlight, they magnify, they compound your problems. So you've got to be so careful that when you enter into a relationship, you are not bringing a baggage load of flaws and character shortcomings with you because it's only going to get worse. Let me pitch a scenario to you. 
Let's suppose that you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I I like this church at the mall thing because when we get done with service, I can go shopping, right? And so you decide, I'm going to go get a new pair of jeans today while I'm here at the mall. Now, you know you don't really have the money for the jeans, but you've got a credit card. So you're like, all right, I'll just, you know, we'll swipe the card, we'll charge it, and we'll worry about it later. So after the service gets over, you roll over to get your jeans from wherever it is. And as you walk up to the register, not with one pair of jeans, that's what you originally came for, but since it's on credit, let's just go ahead and buy three. So you get up to the register, and as you're swiping that card, you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, God, when I get married you're gonna have to give me somebody who is really good at money because I'm not, I'm just not. I'm gonna need somebody that can help me, okay? Now, unbeknownst to you, your future spouse today is up in Edmonton. I know you can't control who you fall in love with. So they're up in Edmonton and they are also at the mall because they go to theater church too, okay? And so while they're there, they're like, hey, yo, if I'm gonna get a girl, I gotta look good. I need to get a new pair of jeans. And so they go to the mall. They don't have the money. And as they walk up to the register and swipe their card, do you know what your future spouse is thinking? God, when I get married, you're gonna have to send me somebody who's good at money because I am not good at money. Then a year from now, you two are gonna get together and you're both gonna be expecting the other to fix your flaws. The problem is relationships don't fix your flaws. They highlight your flaws. It's only going to get worse when two of you who can't manage money try to bring your finances together. Now you say, but Dan, I'm smarter than that. I'm about to find me somebody who is good at money. That's one of my criteria. Okay, let's suppose you do that. Your future husband or wife is up in Edmonton and they are totally like, they're, they're, um, they're disciplined. They're not spending their money. And you guys get together in about a year. At some point, maybe on the sixth or eighth date, you're gonna be sitting across from each other at a table and you're gonna have to say, hey, I need to tell you some things. I'm $18,000 in debt. Um, I'm so glad that you're good at money and you've been saving and you haven't carried this huge debt load because now that we're together, you get to bail me out. Oh no, you're not interested in that kind of relationship? You don't want the first kind of relationship and you don't wanna be either person in the second kind of relationship. So it doesn't matter what track this relationship ends up following, you're gonna end up stressed, fighting, you're gonna end up worse off because you finally got into a relationship, not better. Relationships, marriage, it highlights your flaws. It doesn't make them go away. Is it any wonder that 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 67% of second marriages end in divorce, and 73% of third marriages end in divorce? Listen, I believe God has something better for us than that. But if we go into a relationship expecting our partner to be all the things that we're not and we wish we were, we are setting ourselves up to fail from the very beginning. Now, I do believe that God offers us this better way. And we see it here in Proverbs chapter number 14. We'll put it back on the screen. The first part of the verse said, a simple person will believe anything they're told. They'll believe if they find the right person, everything will be okay. Or if they find the right person, then they'll be able to get bailed out of the trouble that they created while they were single. A simple person will believe anything. But the prudent, the scripture says, the prudent person gives thought to their steps. That word prudent, it means wise, means thoughtful, it means considered or considerate. So what does the prudent person do according to this scripture? What does it say there? Go ahead, go ahead. They think, they give thought, 
And what do they give thoughts to? Their own steps. Okay. I think a foolish person is more concerned about other people's steps while a wise person is most concerned with their own steps. A foolish person says, you are the potential problem. You are the potential solution. So I've got to make sure I get the you part right. But a wise person says, I know that I am a potential problem too. And so I am going to focus my efforts and energy so that I can do the things that I need to do. I believe if you want to have a relationship that goes the distance, don't worry so much about finding the right person. Work to become the right person. If you'll do that on the front end, before you ever find yourself in some sort of committed relationship, I'm telling you, you will be miles ahead of everybody else on those dating apps. If you were to go to the Bible and you were to ask the Bible, Bible, how do I find the right person? There are some things in here, but really not as much as you might expect. If you were to say, Bible, how do I make my fiance into the right person? Because he's got some potential, but he needs some work. So how do I get him there? You're going to find nothing. The Bible doesn't even try to answer that question. But if you ask the scripture, how do I become the right kind of person? How do I become the kind of person that can have a marriage that would last? You will find page after page after page of wisdom and instruction so that you really can be that kind of person in that kind of relationship. What I want you to understand is that the decisions you are making today, every single one of them are leading you down a path. They are leading you to a destination. And if you don't take time to consider today where your steps are leading you, you're gonna be shocked when you end up there tomorrow. If you bumble your way through your dating life, you're gonna end up at some place of heartache and heartbreak And you're going to say, how did this happen? It's because you weren't focused on becoming the right person. You bought the myth that all you had to do was find the right person. These steps that you're taking today, they could lead you to almost an infinite number of places. They could lead you to, you know, fulfillment. They could lead you to wealth. They could lead you to intimacy. They could lead you to bankruptcy. They could lead you to an emotional affair. Your steps could be leading you today towards a 30th wedding anniversary or a third divorce. Your steps are taking you somewhere. And a wise person, a prudent person, gives thought to their steps and which direction that they're actually headed. Now look, this is super important for a bunch of different reasons, but if you're single, one really good reason is that you're creating this list of what you want in a potential mate, right? Before Amber and I ever met when she was young, uh, she created a list of everything she wanted to be true of her future husband. Can I tell you guys that list was three notebook pages long? It was. I did not measure up. I'll tell you that much. Okay. But you're creating a list of everything you want to be true of your spouse. Your spouse is doing the exact same thing right now. So if you're saying they better be working on their finances, their health, their drinking habits, their relationship with their family. If you're thinking whoever it is I'm married, they better get all this stuff healthy and lined out before we get together. You've got to be willing to do the same. Otherwise, you're a dating hypocrite. And you are going to end up in a relationship that does not go the way that you want it to go. 
So here's what I think. I'm gonna give you some dating advice and I get it, it's kind of weird. What do I really know about dating? I've been married for 16 years at this point. When we got married, there weren't date, dating apps. And you know, I mean, we were at school together so I didn't have to go to the bar and find anybody or anything. You know, So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but just take it with a grain of salt. And if you find it helpful, awesome. I don't think that you should spend the majority of your time and energy asking, is this the right person for me? Is this the right person for me? I think that you should be asking yourself, am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? I get it. That's a little bit of a weird sentence, and I probably am supposed to include some commas in there or something, but let's let's just see if we can walk through it. Am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? See, you want your future spouse to be getting their life in order. Grow up, take care of your bills, pay your child support, bro. Whatever your situation is, do what you're supposed to do so that when we get together, we don't have all of these hurdles and drama that everybody else does. But look, if you want them to do it, you've got to do it. You have to honestly ask yourself, am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for. If you're single, the best thing you can do for your future relationship is to prepare yourself now. Like, it's it's amazing to me. I do a lot of weddings, a lot of premarital counseling, and it amazes me how little people prepare for their marriages. We prepare more for our wedding than we do our marriage. We'll put hours, thousands of dollars, all our thought, effort, and energy on a party for one day, and we think, ah, we'll just figure it out along the way, this whole marriage thing. Because I found the right person, so everything's gonna be all right, right? No. Great marriages are built long before you say, I do. They're built in the decisions that you make while you're single. Now look, if you don't do the hard work ahead of time, you can make up lost ground once you get into a relationship, but it is so much harder, and that's why most people never get there. You cannot assume that your passion, your chemistry, your good intentions are going to get you to a lifelong relationship. That won't be enough. And you know this is true. You know this is true. Imagine you had to go have open heart surgery. And when you showed up at the hospital, you meet with the doctor for a consult ahead of time. And he says, hey, look, I just need to tell you up front. um, I actually dropped out of medical school. And um, I've never done a triple bypass before but I just feel this connection between the two of us. Do you feel this? Do you feel this? Like there, we are clicking. There is something here. And I, I just, I get the sense that if, if I were to cut you open, we'd figure it out as we went down the path. You know, we'd, like we'd figure this out as we went along. Nobody would sign up for that kind of surgery. And yet most people sign up for that kind of relationship. I haven't prepared, but I promise everything's gonna be okay. We'll work this out. Mm. So here's what I think. I think when you're looking for somebody to date long-term, even to date in the short term, for goodness sake, don't look for someone who makes the right promises. Look for somebody who makes the right preparations. Don't look for promises because promises rarely pay off. Preparation almost always pays off. So if you're dating, like, listen, don't, if, if you got some joker and he, like, he's unemployed and he hasn't taken care of himself and all that, like, don't give him your time. It's not worth that. If you've got some girl and, like, she won't commit or she's got some serious things that need to be dealt with, just 
Pass. I don't care how hot she is, okay? It's not worth it. Okay. I think you should look for somebody who's making the right preparations, not making the right promises. And again, if you expect that your future spouse is going to be making the right preparations, then you have to do it yourself. You've got to be doing the hard work. You've got to be prepping yourself by faith for a relationship that will come. It's important here. I want you to understand this. I am not saying that stupid cliche, if you stop looking, you'll find it. It is so dumb and so not true. What I am saying is, if your heart's desire is to be in some kind of relationship, I believe we have a good father who gives us good gifts, and more likely than not, he will eventually bring someone your way. When that happens, you want to be ready. You don't want to get there and you're like, I found the right person. And then you got to tell them all the baggage you have. And they're like, actually, I don't think you're the kind of person I'm looking for. Right? Okay. If you want to have a relationship that'll go the distance, don't bank on promises. Bank on preparation. Don't sit around waiting. Get yourself ready. How do you do that? How do you prepare yourself? Um, Three things. I'm going to give you three steps. These are not all of them, but these are a good place to start. Okay. The first one is this. I think you should make a list of everything in your life that has the potential to negatively impact your future relationships and then write it down. Just be honest, okay? You're not gonna share this with anybody, but this is gonna be like a real honest confession of all the areas in your life that you know are gonna cause problems later on. So you might need to write down your spending habits. You might need to write down the family trauma that you've gone through. You probably need to write out your sexual history you need to put your crazy baby, baby mama on there, you know, because there's going to be drama later on down the road. We might as well just deal with it now. Let's get that relationship healthy so that later on it's less trouble. Write out your need to be liked. Write out your need to be right. Write out the amount you drink each week. Write out, just be honest about the general health of your body. If you'll start to put these down, then you'll see the areas where you're like, okay, I know this is something that I'm going to have to address eventually. Let's go ahead and get started now when it's easier. It actually is easier to do it now. If you're wondering, does this belong on the list? I'm not sure like what I should include on the list or what I should not include on the list. If you would be embarrassed to mention it on your second date, go ahead and put it down on the list. If you're like on a second date and you're like, oh, geez, I hope they don't start talking about finances because I don't want them to find out anything until like the 11th date. You know what I mean? Then it's something that goes on the list because we can deal with this stuff ahead of time instead of dragging it into our relationship and forcing our partner to deal with it. It can be dealt with, but rarely does that go well. And then I think you should get to work. Like once you get your list down, you need to get serious about getting this stuff in order. Pay off your debt. Work to forgive your father. Learn to get along with your ex. Uh, Go lose some weight. Get caught up on your child support, man. Uh, Dial back the number of times you drink till you puke. I don't know what it is, but like you've got to put in some work to prepare yourself to be the person that you're looking for is looking for. You can email me or you can email somebody who's also spiritually mature that you trust and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you help me? Are there any scriptures or wisdom? This is why we tell you to get involved in a connect group because you need to be surrounded by people who say, okay, you want to become better in this area of your life? Then we're going to lovingly help you get there, okay? We need those sorts of relationships because you probably won't get there on your own. 
Go find, you know, put your nose in some good resources, some things that'll be helpful to you. Every single message of uh, this series, I'm going to give you a, a resource that you can go buy, and I think is really, really helpful today. The featured resource that I think you should uh, find yourself is um, Love, Sex, and Dating by Andy Stanley. Andy's a pastor down in North Carolina, and uh, this is phenomenal. It's one of the best books on the market for Christian people approaching dating and love in the 21st century. It's like $7.99 on Kindle, you guys. You'll spend more than that on a latte today. So like, let's just go ahead, invest in you, get something that will help you to become the kind of person you need to be. And then secondly, and some of you are going to tune me out here, but that's cool. I think you should cut out the casual sex. Okay, I know. That's like, you guys are like, whoop, forget this guy. You're like, why did I bring my girlfriend to church today? I'm sorry, bro. Um, Okay, look, I know this is old fashioned. I get it. I know you're like, This is what my grandma says, but nobody lives like this in 2020, Dan. Nobody does this. Come on, lighten up a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody sleeps around. And in fact, you know what? Like, Dan, you wouldn't go buy a car without test driving it, right? And you wouldn't go buy a new pair of sneakers without slipping them on and making sure it was a good fit. Like, we're just making sure that we're compatible. Can I tell you something? You two are probably sexually compatible, okay? You're sexually compatible with about half the planet's population. There are very, very few people in the world that you can have sex with and not enjoy it. The odds are you guys will have fun when you get to that moment. But there is a tiny fraction of that number that you are emotionally compatible with, that you are spiritually compatible with, that you are relationally compatible with. So why are you spending all of your time testing out the one area which you're almost guaranteed to enjoy? Go focus on these other areas where compatibility is a whole lot harder. And can I tell you, it's a whole lot more important in the long run. Now look, I know most of you are not gonna do this, okay? Okay, that's fine, that's on you. When you call me later and we have a counseling session, I'm gonna say, you remember that message when I told you? Okay, there are a bunch of different reasons why I think you should avoid the hookups. Okay, a bunch of different reasons. But I'll give you one to think about today. And that is this. Good sex will cover up a bad relationship. It, it totally will. Listen, she gets it. She gets it. And I'm t- listen, she's going she's gonna to end up with a healthy relationship because of it. Here's why. Here's why. Okay? Like... Sex is fun, you guys. It's enjoyable, particularly in the beginning. It's all new and it's exciting and all that sort of stuff, you know? Okay? The problem is it's so powerful. It's so intoxicating. It's so enjoyable that you'll think to yourself, yeah, actually, she's really annoying and I don't want to be with her for the rest of my life. But in the afterglow of a fun night together, I don't really mind her so much. Or you'll say, look, he's not going to be a good provider for our family, okay? I'm not going to marry this guy, but I'll just enjoy him while I've got him. You will allow good sex to cover up a bad relationship. The problem is good sex eventually becomes average sex, okay? Like, just ask anybody who's married. Sex is still awesome. It's still wonderful, but it's not always as exciting as exciting as it is in the beginning. And eventually it's not going to be enough to cover up the flaws in your relationship. And when those bubble to the surface, you're gonna be like, I hate him. Why have we been together this long? Because you allowed good sex to cover up a bad relationship. So I would just encourage you, take that out of the equation. Focus on these levels of intimacy and compatibility first. Then when you get to the sexual part, it's gonna be on another level, you guys. It's gonna be on another level. I know it, you're not gonna do it, but at least I told you. 
And then the final thing, I just think you should prioritize your relationship with God above all else. I believe that God wants you to be in a happy, healthy, committed, lifelong relationship. I believe that's his goal for 98, 99% of you, okay? But even if you find yourself in that kind of relationship, or if you end up as one of the people, hey, you're single and that's, that's your lot, that's how things work out for you, I want you to know God can be to you what a spouse never can be. There are gonna be times your spouse lets you down. There are gonna be times your spouse is not present. There are gonna be times your spouse is a jerk. There are gonna be times that your spouse is untrustworthy. All of those things are true. God is always present. God is always trustworthy. God is always good. God always cares about us. He is all of the traits that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He is the excellence of all of those things. Your spouse will not be. So if you invest in your relationship with God, you are going to be healthier in the long run. And you're gonna be able to deal with another flawed person in your life because you invested in your relationship with God first, you invested in yourself second, and then you put the remaining energy into finding the right person. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would speak truth to our hearts. We would hear your word. We would take it seriously. Help us not to be simple or foolish or naive. Help us not to buy the lies that our culture has told us, but God, help us to invest in ourselves. Help us to invest in you. Help us to be the kind of people who can have a relationship that goes the distance. Give us the courage to do the hard work today so that we can have a great marriage tomorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.